Welcome to another edition of Reptile Fight Club. Justin G. Leonard with me is Chuck Poland. What is up? Nothing. Did you see Mike Tyson beat that dude's ass on an airplane? <laughs> I, I saw that. Uh, that dude had it idea. coming. That dude yeah, he was, had it he coming. He was messing with him, right? He what was, are you thinking? Like even even dr- even dumb drunk me would not yeah. fucking fuck with Mike Tyson. <laughs> I like, know. Like even as an old man, he could still just dude. Dude, and you yeah. know he didn't hit him as hard as he could. Like, I mean, he was he was punching on him, but dude, yeah. I watched his like when he was training to fight. Uh, who did he fight just recently? It was like an exhibition thing for charity yeah, or something. It was, uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, was it they, Roy Jones Jr.? Yeah, yeah, but like, man, he was working. Bro, he, he was bro. serious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. That yeah. guy's on another level, man. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, he's I, a monster. Like, like if you've ever, like, yeah. if you've ever listened to like him talk about like his life and and stuff like that, like he 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 has a he has a switch that like you know w- w- when he when he loses his w- like he goes you know he, the, he's not all like when he flips out he's not all there. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a scary dude. Man. This is the guy who beat his girlfriend and stuff. You know, he's yeah. Not- <laughs> He's not gonna think twice about beating some loudmouth behind yeah. him. Oh yeah. Up. Yeah. But the guy's probably thinking, Oh, I can sue him now, but I don't think he's worth what he used to well, be. You know no, I mean? well, I don't I I no, I think he's I think he's he back. He, yeah, 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 yeah. He has uh he has like a cannabis ranch where he oh, does yeah, like a whole right. I mean, I think he it's a multi, trains and yeah, stuff. it's a multi million dollar operation, I think, mm-hmm. but um yeah i i think i think mike's doing okay yeah um, <laughs> mike mike's doing all right i i just think it, i think it's really interesting like 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 uh well I, I i saw that they basically like when it came when the police came to take statements all of a sudden the the guy who was bugging him you know didn't want to give a statement and didn't want to <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that too. And it's like, are you really going to be the guy that presses charges on Mike Tyson after, you know, after you, uh, you you basically bothered him to the point where he beat you up on an airplane. He can't wake the bear and and then cry about it. He mauls you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So pulling a dr evil today now you know yeah he's nuts (laughs) but he he'll just come and sit on my lap in here it's kind of kind of nice he that's crazy usually is not like to sit still very long but so i read uh, i was reading an article about a loosely correlated so men who had cats as boys suffer psychosis at a, at, at a greater rate uh, in adulthood uh, than, but but they said it was the the the, the it was inconsistent. Yeah, it was it's oh. it's inconsistent. It's in the 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 data was kind of inconsistent a little bit, but but in in men who had cats as boys, mm-hmm. when they grow up, they have a higher propensity for psychosis, which hmm. is. Yeah, I, I heard it was uh, like risky behaviors. Like there was a there's a parasite that that cats carry. I can't remember the Toxoplasmosis. name. Toxoplasmosis. Yeah, and then the 
the mice get it and the mice yeah. will like go towards the cat, you know. And that was what that was what they that that was what they also said was uh it was high it was it was more correlated to cats that were outdoor mm -hmm. uh cat like hunt cats that would hunt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All our cats are indoors. They're, but they're yeah, they're they're pretty funny. This Ramsey's is a good cat. Uh, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna ditch him out of the room because he wants to explore and probably he'll start peeing on stuff or something <laughs> he thinks he's a dog more than a cat but one second <laughs> yeah yeah so cats who needs them Blech. waste of fur if you ask me uh that that uh our, our hairless cat is he's really fun he's a yeah, cool no, cat but th those are probably the only cats i can dig on yeah like they're, they're yeah. But, but that's only because they think they're dogs yeah, you know yeah I mean? maybe I, so i don't know i mean he's a pretty cat but <laughs> like he he's he's all cat but but yeah he has some dog tendencies but it's kind of funny he'll wake me up every morning he'll yeah he'll come up and like go up the side of the bed and just kind of tap my face slap you on the face yeah. get up and whine like, time to feed me <laughs> you know <laughs> Typical cat. Get your yeah. ass out of bed, Jolinder. Exactly. Let's go. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. now he's gonna sit and whine, want to come back yeah. in, but hopefully he'll lose interest quickly. All right. So. Well, you just got back from a dance recital. I did. I did. I did wonderfully. Nice. You should have seen oh, good, me in my good. tutu and everything. You, you are pretty graceful. So I. <laughs> I'm spry. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. spry. oh yeah. <laughs> no, actually, yeah. My daughter is in uh, ballet. She's in junior oh, company, so she mm -hmm. uh, she's been so junior company does performances uh, and they do them around. So like we we went to Knott's Berry Farms and she performed and she did uh, halftime at an SDSU basketball game oh, and cool. um, this one was at a, uh, a high school really nice auditorium mm -hmm. um so she 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 has a couple of dances she has a solo and a couple of dances so uh, yeah family went to watch her perform so she's cool. actually she's very very good dancer um mm -hmm. very very proud father so yeah it's nice. That's fun to watch your kids, uh, you know, excel and do. Yeah, do cool I, I feel like such an asshole though because I like watch the other kids dance and I'm like, ah, oh, my daughter's better than <laughs> yeah, her. That's better than her, you know, like yeah, that. like that one's kind of good. I don't know if I like her, but I think Sophia is still better than her. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> right. that's awesome. I know you're a competitive dude, so you get what I'm saying. You get what me? I'm, I'm not competitive. What? Your ass. <laughs> you are talking about me. I just, yeah, no, yeah. yeah I, I have a pretty big competitive streak. I try not to be no way. too jerky about it, but yeah. I, no, I like you're to, not. You're not. You're like just like. Sell, but. Yeah, you know. you're you're pretty cool about it, and you just have to get your one like, ha you lose in there, and you're done, right? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I just let my actions speak. You know, they'll, they'll speak for me. I don't need to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, when I work out, like if like I, I'm swimming, you know, and and if somebody next to me is going fat, like I try to keep splash up with them, them. just splash them, them. yeah. <laughs> drown them Let's push their head under <laughs> no. undo their lane chain and like yeah, throw exactly. it into their in, into their way they get all tangled so up so i can pass them up yeah yeah well all right i yeah i, I uh How'd i've been you? working on some uh tanks uh building some like putting in some fake rock and stuff i'm trying to make them nice looking for my uh skinks uh, frank the tank uh, yeah the 
the gurney is. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Nice. Yeah. So I was working on the Are you the those are gurneys yet? Well, yeah, I mean, they'll, I mean, you're, they're like, yeah, they're, they, yeah. they, they live adults, together. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the depressor may be a little young, the, the, the it Haas looks Mariah. like the, yeah, the Hosmeri are older, the, um, Stryolata look like they might be going soon. One of the, one of the ones that looks female is much bigger than the others. And she's out basking a lot more than she ever has. So, I'm hoping she's cooking some babies in there. Looks like a couple Ooh. of my uh, blue tongues are also gra- or gravid. They're going to have nice. some babies soon, too. So one nice. looks huge. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and then I, I'm like, I was so worried I wasn't going to get inlands again. I paired like three of the females and and they look they all look gravid. <laughs> like I'm going to have three clutches of inlands or something. But I don't know. We'll see. You never count your eggs till they hit the ground, but that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even if, then, if, you got to hatch them out. If, so. if you end up with a with a gaggle of inlands, I might I might talk to you about it. I, I yeah, I've been. You can so keep ha- those I, outside. That would be yeah. Awesome. I know. You I know. know. That's what I've been like. Mm, <laughs> Build a cage no, next to no. the mm, coastals. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, mm, you know. So uh-huh. like, yeah. And like yeah. I, I paired up a, a black eyed children's male with a black eyed yeah. children's female. So this will be the first time I nice. produce black eyed to black eyed. And and the male was tiny. So I thought, ah, it's not going to happen. Well, she looks gravid. And then I've got, yeah. I've got too many things that look gravid. Does right black eyed so. to black eyed make other wonky stuff? Or? I don't know. I've never done it. I, I, I'm assuming it's just a recessive trait. So they'll all be black eyed. But I don't know. Who knows what else is going on there? Because I, I, uh, I don't know if this is much of a secret project, but I bred a black-eyed Stimson's python that's really dark. Like he started going mm-hmm. darker and darker. What's uh anyway? Um, so I, I bred him back. To, I bred him to one of the female Stimsons, and then held back two of the females from him, and then bred him back to them. And last year, one of the females laid, and I got two out of five that had like a pied tail. So. Mm. some pied tailed stimpsons oh, I, I you know I remember, I they were kind of patternless with a little yeah, white spot yeah. yeah so i i repeated those pairings and i one of the clutches cr- uh, crashed and i just got good eggs from that female they look good anyway we'll see if they hatch out but yeah, yeah. so we'll see what happens with that and neither of the females have black eyes like the mm. the male the black male has black eyes versus the yellow eyes that you usually see with or orangey yellow eyes with the Stimpsons. So yeah, we'll see um, what, what happens, but it's kind of fun, yeah. kind of yeah. interesting, you know, see what, yeah. see what we get, but yeah. Cool. One of the, one of the pied tails I hatched out is doing really well. The other one's kind of struggling. It's, it's kind of a runty one and I keep trying to feed it up and I think I keep trying to give it too big a, food items too soon and so it'll kill them and then not eat them yeah so i'm like gosh i gotta just give it smaller pinkies and yeah get it growing okay but not not really thriving like the other one is so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens yeah. just one of those morphs one of those messed up i was memes, just gonna right? say sometimes <laughs> yeah. you gotta limp those morphs along <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so i mean it's nothing too too crazy but yeah it's kind of you know something interesting i guess hey so so with with so i i have a pair of children's pythons from you yeah and you know the female she looks really reduced pattern and mm-hmm. like the male looks is really re- they're both like almost patternless now. yeah 
Is that yeah. pretty common? I mean, yeah, is that that's children's that, pythons? Yeah. Okay. Some, some of the lines, like I know, I got I got some from Ryan Young, or I got a female from Ryan Young that was really heavily patterned, and they maintain a, a more heavy pattern into adulthood. But the ones that I got from the Barkers, they kind of fade quite a bit, gotcha. and so they're almost okay. patternless when they're adults. Yeah. Okay. So okay. there's there is a line of patternless childrens in Australia. I don't know if we have them here or. You know, cause it's really hard to tell cause people call them patternless, but they just fade. They're, you know, they're like, just you faded. Know, like yeah, a typical yeah, yeah. Children's yeah. And, and it's funny cause that female's always been like, I mean, she has a bit of a pattern to her, but, but she's pretty patternless and the male, he, he definitely has a pattern, but I was like, you know, the other day I'm like, man, I'm having a hard time telling these apart cause they're both really patternless right now. Yeah. So yeah, right. I don't know if that's a hormonal thing or. I mean, I don't I, think I'm so. Sure I think, yeah, time. they just kind of fade out. And so I, I bred um, that female pattern, you know, highly patterned animal. I also bred uh, some of the black eyes and I got some really cool patterned animals and they maintain a fairly good pattern and like they change colors a bit. So like mm -hmm. at, at night, the children's pythons, like their pattern will stick out a little more and they'll mm -hmm. get really light and cool looking. They, I don't know, I always kind of referred to those as ghost, ghosty mm -hmm. children's, but it's not like it's a simple mutation yeah. or something it's just the, you want to be careful the, the, yeah, using words like I know, that right? yeah you can see <laughs> it was really hard because you know somebody part like of you accuse like, you of something yeah exactly you're like oh i gotta market these and yeah. name them something cool but then the <laughs> other side is like it's just a normal children's and like the ones that i got from the barkers the babies are nice and pink like really reddish colored when they're babies and and like somebody hatched some out and they had, well, they got uh, one from me and then they had an adult that was from somewhere else. I'm not sure where they got it. And then half the babies were pink and half the ones were darker. And they're like, Oh, I got a new morph. You know, they're all light colored. And I'm like, no, that's just what nice ones look like. Yeah, like look that's like, just yeah, what yeah. they, what they do. Yeah. So I don't know. I, you know, it, yeah, I guess it is what it is, but I, nice try <laughs> Satan. Nice try. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm so i'm waiting i did get a a bum clutch from uh stimson's python she laid ah. she, she's one of my nicer stems that got i i've got some really nice babies from her over the last few years and i i held back like almost all of her clutch like two seasons ago and they were really nice really? i had one that was kind of apparently patterned it's really fine patterning it looks really cool so um, I kept probably, I think 2.3 from that clutch. And then what, what, what do you think? Why, why bum clutch just bad year? Or? Yeah. I mean, she was kind of acting gravid, but she was not really big. So I just knew they were, and she laid a bunch of slugs. So slugs, yeah, I yeah. don't know what happened with her. Why, you know, why they, she failed this year, but, um, she's, she's bred the last two years. So probably yeah, just she's probably just needs a break. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, um, a couple pygmies are going to lay here soon. Sweet. A couple inlands will lay. I just got eggs from that jungle and, and the, the black eyed line Stimpsons. And then, so I need, probably ought to call it something else. I guess pied tail would work or, or patternless tail or something. We'll see, see what these next couple clutches, cause both the females were, are, are gravid from the black stimpson's male he just keeps getting darker you know he's he's not like 
totally black, but he's really dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, kind of a fun thing. It was, uh, David Hastings. I sold some Stimpsons to David Hastings and then he, he's like, yeah, this one keeps getting darker and it's got mm-hmm. white eye, black and white eyes. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And then he's like, yeah, I don't think I want to work with him anymore. Do you want him back? And so I bought the mail <laughs> back and yeah, and he gets cool. Yeah. Okay. So, and it, and you know, it proved out to be something weird or something's going on there. Cause the two that have the pie tails also have black eyes. So mm-hmm. something's going on, but I, I don't want to call them black eyed Stimpsons cause we've got the black eyed children yeah. and we'll see what happens when we black eye to black eye. But yeah, you could call them Hastings. Uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that's my week. I suppose I, I, uh, it was a good week. Oh, didn't I, you have I, NIH talks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we talked a little bit about that on the last one, but yeah, the last podcast. But well, I don't. I think you I, had to get ready to do them. I don't. Oh, okay. did, or did we? Did we? Did I think it was just it? after I'd given them because we. I I gave talks that day. I had three oh, three yeah. like twenty twenty five minute talks. So I basically spoke for an hour. You know, on and off. Uh, I had two that were in a row, and then one that was separated by a couple other talks. So it was a you know it was a hour plus of speaking to the NIH and, and other researchers that are yeah. part of the contract group. So yeah, long day. And then today, yeah, we're recording Friday night. So another, uh, yeah, kind of end to a long week, but today was nice. We had a, uh, employee, um, appreciation lunch at, for our group, for our antiviral group at work. And, and we have a you lot of people to- that work for us and I take them to yeah. Arby. <laughs> we we had we had pizza in the library so ah there you <laughs> <Yeah>. go <laughs> so uh but yeah everybody was introducing themselves i'm like i don't know a lot of these people <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it's it's good to see everybody in one room you know but there were does that 50- mean you just stay in your office yeah unfortunately are you the get out of my lab guy no no i i like to look for reasons to get in the lab and yeah. and like interact no with but i mean other people you're like get out of my lab you know <laughs> well if, if they're not supposed to be there then yeah. i suppose that's true you can't be in those <laughs> yeah. labs if you're not supposed to be <laughs> but yeah i've i uh i'm in my office behind the keyboard way too yeah much you know i i like to look for excuses to get out in the lab and do something you know hands on but yeah uh, what do you do yeah all right well we got another uh clip show for you clip guys show! Clip show! everybody loves a clip show right i, I don't st- know if they do <laughs> i still i need to find that clip from simpsons but yeah um so we're gonna go through the the third 10 episodes and kind of this is our third installment of yeah clip show show three what's the we got it like clip show two is electric boogaloo what's clip show three um i don't know can't think of a good one it's too late Mm -hmm. i guess um yep good times well that's uh Let's let's start them out here. So the first and and we had a lot of great guests in this in the you know the the twenty one to thirty um, episodes. So first one started out with a bang. It was uh, Keith uh, McPeak. What a legend, man! That guy's awesome. I sure I sure like Keith. Dud um, Muffin. Yeah, and I've had the pleasure of doing a couple herp trips with him and kind of 
chatting with him, picking his brain. He's, he's been doing this a long time and he's been very successful. Like he's, he's kind of, uh, maybe flown under the radar a bit. hasn't been oh. heralded like somebody like the Barkers, but man, he is just as accomplished as he's as doing. He's doing Tracy it as, as good as some. Yeah. As, I mean, yeah. It, it, I mean, I pretty sure he's going to, God damn, I'm going to knock on wood, but he's <laughs> yeah, don't say some, it. Don't say it. No. He's going to have some, some <laughs> he, special eggs this year. <laughs> everything's moving in the right direction. Oh, it, it looks, looks awesome. So good. Yeah, I'm so excited God for dang, him. I think he's got him, a lot dude. of people rooting for him. Oh, 100%. Him. Yeah, you, if anybody you know, deserves like, it. You know. Of all the fuck assery that comes out of those snakes, <laughs> to have yeah. Keith do that, yeah. please, yes. You know what I mean? Like, like... Yep. It, and and that was that was the topic of the conversation. You know, we were talking about um, you know breeding projects and long term success and things like that. Like he was talking about, you know, if he's successful with Bullens, he wants to put them in the right hands mm-hmm. to continue the project, not to make a bunch of money. You know, like he he wants to do it the right way. So what a I mean, that's just cool. That's yeah. that's really admirable, and and I'm sure he'll follow through with it because oh he's, yeah, you know. That's that's his his uh, mental, you know, his mentality over the project is like he's not in it to make make a buck. He's in it to make sure that people can work with Bolins long into the future. So good on you, Keith. And and I, you know, it was it was fun. It was really fun because we recorded it live. So Mm -hmm. it was right on the uh, right at the first of the Herp trip down in Arizona last year. So, (laughs) yeah. And that's, that was, that was some good, that was a good trip and some yeah. fun times there. So yeah, it was I fun to fun. kick it off and chat with him and, and get distracted by all the cool birds that were flying overhead and stuff. Is, like is Keith a big birder too? Is there, was that? Yeah, he was likes that? birds. He's been sending okay. me some, like, uh, some TikToks of birds, like doing different things I, he just sent a liar. I'm going to call uh, you to the bird nerds. <laughs> yeah. He, he sent me a, I don't know if you've heard of the liar bird in Australia. They're like a mimic. So they can yeah. do like all yeah. these different calls. I mean, it was mimicking a camera shutter and, and like a truck and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. Uh, but I, I think, you know, I really admire that attitude of like, we've got to, we, we got to be in this for the animals, not just for, you know, for the money. And, and, yeah. You know, we've talked about that quite a bit and yeah, you can, you can make a living doing reptiles and you can make a comfortable living in some, in some circumstances, but it definitely takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of dedication and, and you got to put in the time and most people don't come out of the gate running. You know, they're not professional breeders right off the bat. Most people have a day job for a decade or more until they kind of get a a collection and and a reputation and things like that. So to uh, take that, that high end, extremely expensive project and then just say, Hey, I'm going to make sure this gets into good hands. You know, I'm sure I I hope he'll sell an animal or two, you know, to, to, to try to kind of, um, be able to, to, uh, not that he'll need it, but to, to pay for, you know, the I wouldn't even be mad at him. And I know he's, I know he said, I know he said that he, he, you know, he'll put those and, and that was kind of part of the discussion was, and I, I, I think my, my, you know, the, the, me burking all my Tracy was kind of in that discussion and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, his, his thoughts were more moving those out to people, Mm -hmm. which, you know, man, what, you know, what a, 
it got it definitely got me like man am i you know am yeah. i am i making the right call with what i'm doing or and, and I, you know i i hope he holds on to a few of them you know, I, hope I hope he, he does too some back because you know that's you're gonna have the best success with animals that are born on your you know in your facility yeah. on, on your property in your hometown you know whatever so you know that that would definitely go towards extending that project and you know put some animals in the hands of capable people who who already work with Boland so they can have that you know increase of increased chance of working with a captive bred and born animal in the United States but they're not going to do any better than when where they're produced in my opinion yeah. like that's yeah. in a lot of cases well, that's kind of how it works out and, and you know I, I the the way I see it is it, it, it whoever whoever they go to I mean that that person should be like all right w- what do I need to do yeah. and and, yeah. and 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 you know they should go somewhere where the conditions are as close to as possible as what he's doing, you yeah. know, like that, yeah. they, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it, to me, it's that important that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that if, if they go somewhere that the, that the care, the exact care follows, you know? Yeah. It, and, and frankly, I mean, I, I think especially with, with Bowens where there are a few people that have, a, a decent like I, uh Ari showed out uh his collection of Bull and I on one of their videos showing off Reptilandia down in mm-hmm. Texas and he's got a pretty sweet setup and he's got quite a few Bull and I so you know he you know he could probably house them really well and and I'm sure they're gonna have a sweet setup in Reptilandia like seeing what they've got planned for the Bull and I exhibit that's gonna be something that I'm going to definitely want to go visit and see that. Oh place yeah. Cause it, it looks sure. incredible. I mean, Oh my goodness. Very incredible. So, you know, hopefully uh, some of the animals make their way down there. You know, he, he'd be one of those capable people that could mm-hmm. you know, do well with those. And, but you know, I, I, I really hope I, I like the Chuck Poland method of, you know, burking everything and, and holding on to it, making sure that the project is going to be viable. Now, you know, on the other hand, if something were to happen or, you know, yeah, something, I, you know, then all your eggs in, are, are kind of in definitely one basket. In one basket yeah. 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 And so, I, I mean, I, Keith's point you understand was, that, yeah. yeah, Keith's point was well taken yeah, and, yeah. you know, I just, you know, God, if I had a fire or something horrible mm-hmm. happened, yeah. like that'd be it. You know, I'd, yeah. I would not be the so, same man anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. There's got, there's got to be a balance, I think, between the two. You know, I don't yeah. think you should necessarily farm them all out, but you shouldn't no. necessarily hold on to all of them for, for you know, into perpetuity. But, yeah, you know, to, until you figure it out or, and, you know, you're working on getting a group, working group put together and stuff. But, yeah, yeah, what a great episode and what a great guy. I, I just really admire Keith and all, his, yeah. all he's doing and. <clears throat> his wife's really cool too. Teresa's really a great person as well. So I had the pleasure of meeting her. They came, she came with uh, Keith to Utah. So nice. Um, just a wonderful woman. So yeah, really, really great time with those guys. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to say on that one? I know you probably have a lot of, a lot of uh, insight into that. And I, you know, you've, you've said, kind of said your piece, but um, yeah, anything I mean, else to add? You're, you're, no, I, I mean, I, you know, I just, I really wish that guy luck. I, I, I'm yeah. pulling for him in a big way. So yeah, 
Yeah. You know, and I, and I, I sure hope he you know, yeah. gets that. Success. I, there, listen, there's just, there's there, man, I don't want to say this cause it sounds bad, but there's there, there are some really, really great people uh, in the reptile community and they're not always uh, fair or, you know, fair and wide. Some of them are few and far between and, mm-hmm. and Keith's definitely one of those few and far between amazing guys that, oh, definitely. you know, yeah. I, I just, I, I want to see the best for those people because they, they dang, dang deserve it. They make yeah. the community better. They make us all better, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I, I echo that completely. All right. Our, our next episode was on marketing with Summer Grace Mitchell. And uh, mm-hmm. man, she was on the ball. <laughs> she, she, yes, she uh, was. She knocked it out of the park and, yes. and made us, you know, just, I did. I, I fought with her, didn't I? And yes. You just made Thankfully I did not fool. because yeah. yes, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, that's her job and obviously yeah. she's a professional marketer mm-hmm. uh, and you know, you can see she, you know, she, <laughs> Justin Kabilka does an amazing job and she makes him look amazing with yeah. her marketing. So it, you know, that, that's a good top, good team top, there. Top yeah. to bottom, they are, you know, they are the they are probably the model for mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, uh a high-end um breeding, you know, morph uh morph driven kind of uh reptile business. Yeah. Um and he's kind of set, you know, he, he he and his team have kind of set set up that uh you know that vision and that uh complete package kind of idea oh absolutely. You know, they, absolutely they go the extra mile and do a lot of extra things that you know most most people don't do and yeah you know that's that's really cool that's yeah uh, I, I i learned you know some things from that and you know i i I'm a terrible marketer and I'm a yeah, well, salesman and all those kind of things. So I just hope that people appreciate the snakes as much as I do and want to yeah. work with the snakes, you know? So, well, and I, I mean, I, I think, and, yeah, I, 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 maybe you'll agree with me here, but I, I, I feel like I am a much better breeder than I am a marketer. And I, I try to pair snakes that, make good babies and I try to let the snakes sell themselves, which, mm-hmm. you know, um, I guess maybe works in, in one vein, but, you know, clear, clearly, you know, from that, from that fight, uh, w- we saw what that next level or that, uh, third gear, fourth gear, fifth, sixth gear looked like, <laughs> yeah. uh, to our first or second gear. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it was uh it was definitely impressive and uh yeah, I definitely I definitely walked away being like, wow, I I, I fucking suck. <laughs> so <laughs> Well that's you know, that's a that's a good good person to work for. I think Justin oh, yeah. Hilka is kind of one of the exemplary, you know, people out there doing it the right way. And so yeah, yeah. what you know, what a again, what a great team and, and good lesson on um some of the useful things that can be done with marketing, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, like you, like, I think she brought up that point of if you have good animals and you're striving to breed good animals, that's marketing. You know, you're mm-hmm. showing, yeah. showing off amazing animals. Like that's going to be some of the best marketing you can maybe do is just show off good, healthy, strong, you know, well-feeding animals. Well, and I, you know, I guess I never really like, I, 
you know, I think about positive image representation of the reptile community, but I don't really think of it through marketing, which, you mm. know, when she kind of pointed that out, I was, I was kind of like, yeah, why, why don't I think about it like that? Like, Mar I mean, you know, I, the PR firms are marketing, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, so like, wh why, why wouldn't, why wouldn't we take ourselves much more seriously with marketing and, and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and uh, do that to the nines as they would say. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I, to their credit, like, I mean, it, you can kind of see like why, uh, you know, it's definitely paid them dividends and why it would behoove somebody to take marketing very seriously if they wanted to positively represent not only themselves, but the reptile community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that was a big part of that conversation that was very mm -hmm. kind of eye opening for me that just kind of hit me by surprise. Like we need good rep representatives to to make this whole thing last, you know, yeah. you don't want to just yep. have the, the dirt bags with the gross animals that are, you know, hawking, uh, half dead reptiles at a well, show. And, yeah. and, you know, I mean, uh, we, uh, unfortunately we suffer from, you know, not all of our attention being good attention. And, mm -hmm. and so, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's kind of a fine know. line anyway. And yeah. You know, Sure. We, don't want, we want to push ourselves over you know, on the good side rather uh, than the bad. So they can see, yeah, there's professional businessmen in this and business women in this uh, um, industry and that, you know, we deserve respect and, and that kind of thing. So, yep. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Yes. That was a great episode though. It was a great episode. Yeah. And then we uh, talked about natural versus artificial diets and kind of some of the pros and cons of, you know, trying to mimic uh, what an animal would eat in the wild and, and what they, what we have available in captivity. And I'm still kind of on the fence on that. Like, I, I don't know which way I lean more because, you know, I like the idea of, of getting a naturalistic diet, but at the same time, I, I kind of come back to like energy in, energy out. You know, I don't know like, you know, we used maybe hog noses and showed kind of through domestication. They, they prefer rodents, you know, coming out of the egg, they're looking for a rodent rather than a toad, but you know, are they missing something by not eating toads and do, can we feed them toads? I mean, the, maybe the best approximation we'd have would be like frog legs or, or those reptilinks or whatever that mm -hmm. are made of frog or something like that. That's about as close as we could get, but is there, are, are they missing something by not eating toads? And I mean, toads are kind of hard to come by these days, you know, with the chytrid fungus and some of the other issues that they've faced. I know growing up, there were toads everywhere around my as house. far as the eye could yeah. see. No, I mean, yeah, you'd go out at night and see five or six toads just hopping around your yard. And then like, sometime in the you know when was that like late 90s mid to late 90s they started that. declining and and mm -hmm. then then you very rarely see toads out you know where i grew up and so it's kind of a it's kind of a sad thing and they are kind of those environmental canaries you know and when the the coal mines getting poisoned those are the first things to disappear. So mm -hmm. I, I get really excited every time I see a toad, you know, when I go visit my parents now, but it used to be very commonplace. So, you know, can we, could we even have a, 
a mechanism to feed toads, you know, unless somebody's breeding a mess of toads, that would be really difficult to, to yeah. feed hog noses a naturalistic diet. So does, does that mean we don't keep them or, you know, it's, it's hard to say. And, you know, thinking like, um, I know at the venom extraction places, they have coral snakes and coral snakes are mainly snake eaters. And so they're difficult to feed in captivity and they will mix up like a, a, a formulated diet kind of thing based on like, um, cat food or, you know, and that mixed with other vitamins and nutrients and, and other stuff. And so they'll just assist feed. They'll just tube feed these coral snakes to keep them robust, healthy, alive, so they can milk them for their venom. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's purpose driven. I, you know, I don't know how great that is or if it, you know, results in runny stools or whatever, but, um, so, I mean, is that acceptable? You know, would it be better to, to try to get them on rodents like we did with hog noses or, or should we feed them other things like birds that more approximate a reptile? You know, it's tricky, tricky. Yeah. I I think that's a tough, that's a, that's a tough thing. I mean, you know, I, I, and I guess like it's kind of a, a, what you, what you should do versus what you must do kind of an argument too. I mean, I, I think, you know, you, 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 you should try to feed something that's natural diet, but must you No, I mean, yeah. I think at some level you're, you're a hundred percent right that it's energy in energy out, but it may just be that the, um, whatever you're trying to feed doesn't recognize that food item as, you know, a, a valid, uh, prey source and, and it doesn't want to eat it. And, you know, you end up going through all this extra trouble, which could create other issues, you know, stress, Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, all those things that could potentially happen when you're trying to force an animal to do something that's not natural for it. Um, and and obviously, Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, nope, go. No, obviously there's some things that are specialists like a Phrynosoma, you know, the horned lizards that are yeah. ant specialists and, and some are more ant specialized than others, you know, like the short horned, uh, uh, horned lizards that live around here. They, they have a more diverse diet of beetles and, and I saw a cool, I saw a cool video of of some horn lizards sitting around like a it was like a trough thing that had a hole and like a pole that oh, stuck yeah, up yeah. out of it yep. and the ants would come up and they just sit yeah. there like licking off that that was so cool. yeah that's it made me think of that it's no cool. that yeah those are some of the um that's another species that's more uh, uh that will take a lot of different prey items other than ants or the uh, mexican giant horn lizards the mm-hmm. azio uh, Phrynosoma ACO or, and, and they're, you know, the largest species as well. They're pretty cool. And, and they're, you know, more commonly bred than probably any other species, but I, I do think they need, you know, at least some part of their diet needs to be ants and, and who knows, maybe it's other factors that we're not hitting in their captive care, but, um, but you know, you can order ants, you can get yeah. ants. And I kept, uh, kept a group of, uh, mountain shorthorn lizards, uh, Phrynosoma hernandezi, um, happy and, and healthy as far as I could tell in, until I messed up brumation. And, you know, we, we won't talk about that, but <laughs> up to that point, they were, they were, I was feeling pretty successful that. with those, but, um, yeah. So, 
Um, and, you know, of course you need to be careful. I, I sent off some of the babies to a friend and, and he had collected some ants and the ants had had, had poison. And so that ended mm. up resulting in, in yep, that's not good. the poor outcome. But so we, you know, um, it's sometimes hard to find those diets, but mm. it was kind of nice because there was a commercial source of harvester ants that I could order for certain, you know, 20 bucks for a cup of ants and they would last, you know, probably the better part of a month. And you could just put them in the fridge and slow them down, keep them kind of in a torpor and then they would last quite a while. So, you know, say, there's, say there's that, ways. Say that word again. <laughs> Which one? Torpor? Torpor, yeah. yeah. In a slow, mean? slow, you know, cool state. They're in the fridge, so they're slowed down, and they're not, you know, burning themselves out and needing to eat food and all that kind of stuff. They just kind of, almost Torpor. like a hibernation or, yeah. Torpor? Torpor. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a new word there for me. There we go. All right. So, you know, there, there are some avenues to get those uh, naturalistic prey, potentially, um, you know, but yeah, again, I go back to that snakes of the world book by, uh, yeah. and yeah, I mean, it, 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 mm-hmm. you kind of have to figure that, 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 you know, reptiles are, you know, everywhere and mm-hmm. they all fill different kind of niche nippers. And so they're all going to have different prey sources and, yeah. and, 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 you know, and so, so you're gonna, you know, you're gonna run into and like, as O'Shea poignantly makes a point that poignantly makes a point. That's horrible. <laughs> you know, you're you, some of this stuff is just impractical to keep because of it, because of what it eats. It's because mm-hmm. of its diet. And, and, yeah. um, you know, but maybe to your point, does it matter? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I think maybe at some level it does, but, well, and, and they do have that predisposition to eat certain things. And so it's kind of sometimes difficult to overcome that. If you can find a very young animal or something, you might be mm-hmm. able to overcome that. The other thing is like, there are a lot of really cool snakes that can be, you know, switched over to maybe more available prey, like the shovel nose snakes, you know, why yeah. aren't, why is nobody breeding those in numbers or, you know, I don't know. They they're cool as hell too. Way I, cool. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, there's challenges, but I, I'm hoping to maybe do that someday, you know, but they're, they're really cool snakes and insectivorous. So there's, there's quite a few of those little insectivorous snakes that would be really interesting to try, but yeah, lots of things to think about when you're thinking about natural prey and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and switching over to artificial diets or, or, or lab bread. Non-natural. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're not none. finding an albino mice out in the wild very often, that's for sure. No. All right. Well, then we had a really uh, fun debate with Scott Iper, our Australian Old buddy. Oh, Scotty. <laughs> On the carpet python taxonomy. Yeah, <laughs> and, you uh, guys. Uh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun a debate. Bit. That was yeah, good. That was, that was good. Yeah. That's good. And, yeah, that uh, triggered a like call I, from he, he felt, shall not be named. And yeah, <laughs> I fit, well, I you you stirred the you stirred the Aussie Hornet nest. <laughs> yeah, that's well, and I think you know the new book is gonna do a little of that. So sure, yeah, sure. That Scott, that, Scott you see could that not, blue line soon, but you know, yeah, it's, yeah. So Scott could not go without uh, putting his two cents in there. It was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah. good. And I I just listened to uh, uh, the 
podcast. Um, ow, my my brain is not functioning well tonight, but the um, herpetological highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys are they do a great job at the, on their podcast. But they were talking about the new um, Antaresia paper and the naming of the new spotted python in New Guinea and and the ones up in you know up in the Northern Cape and stuff. And I mean. The, you mean the one that's shite? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to swallow and, and, you know, they kind of fully endorsed it and I'm like, Oh, come on guys, at least have some, you know, uh, on, on the other side of it, you know, yeah. just cause it's published doesn't mean it's great. And, and they did mention like the, the, the article starts out citing a 10 meter long snake. And it's like, there's no 10 meter long snake that have Ten been reliably long. measured. Yeah. That's a big snake. What the fuck? I, I think the, the largest recorded one is like uh, 17 meters. Now three meters is what? 10 feet. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a, that's a bit of length there to be off, you know, but that's a long snake in, in and of itself. To, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, that, that to me, that article is just full of, full of holes, but mm-hmm. you know, and they're using a bit of an outdated species concept. So I, I don't agree with it. I, I will use Stimson eye and, you know, and some of the things that I brought up with the carpet Python taxonomy, you know, I think it can go either way. And, you know, I'm okay mm-hmm. if they're all, if they're all kind of genetically close enough or they don't hit the cutoff, but what that cutoff is, who knows, you know, it's just yeah. some arbitrary magical well, number. And I, and- I mean, I think, and I, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, again, thinking back, you know, it, the, the areas where you guys wrestled were, were, you know, were not, uh, were not area. They, they, they were, they were areas of debate and, 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 and minor distinction, not of, yeah. of gross, you know, cavernous divide. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, clearly they're, you know, these things are, you know, not the same thing. Uh, yeah. That that's shown pretty clearly. They're not, and there is now, you know, where those divisions happen, how far they've diverged, you know, h- how yeah. the radiation has affected them, you know, what were the factors of radiation, like, mm-hmm. you know, all of that is is, I mean, that's a tough that's tough to talk about because it's yeah. you know. You're, we're, we're a snapshot in time on a scale. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you and, know, and we're mean, naming them for today, you know, yeah. I mean? like yeah. we're naming them for today. And so that's, that's difficult because you've got to take into account p- potentially millions what, of years of evolution. And that's what, but that's what taxonomy does is yeah. it takes a, a, a today snapshot. Yeah. And that's why taxonomy is not a, a static thing. And nobody yep. says this is how it is. They mm-hmm. say this is how it is right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, but they, they are trying to base it off of, you know, the last sure. several million years and sure. kind of predicting what's going to happen in the future and things like that. So, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I've got some, issues with taxonomy and i don't know if those are all will, will ever be resolved i was reading an article about if, uh, orioles if, yeah the, i don't the know birds, if the, right? the issues of taxonomy will ever be resolved no, no. ever yeah, anywhere it's going to be very difficult to change that yeah. behemoth of a, of a field but i was well, reading it's, it's, an article it, about yeah. uh, orioles right and there's there's two species one that occurs the in the baltimore east, one that occurs baltimore oriole and the um either the 
what was it? The Scots or, or, uh, blackheaded, something like that. Anyway, they, they meet in the middle and hybridize in the plains, you know, and you can clearly identify for the most part, a hybrid versus the two species. Does that mean they're all one species that occur across the whole United States or do those phenotypic and genotypic differences or they do they warrant specific status you know right now they're classified i think in the past they were classified as one species and then you know just different uh variants of the same species and now they're classified as two separate species with a hybridization zone in the middle similar to you know coastals and diamonds so and and to me that that means you know that the fact that they have a hybridization zone means absolutely nothing and if you can still you know i guess it depends on the market and measure that you're using to to judge the two species but as long as there is a difference uh you know that warrants different species then that integrated zone hasn't caused you know a hum a hum a homogenization of the species, right? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it, again, it's like, you know, just because something is happening doesn't necessarily mean, you you know, the, you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, 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 I think that's one of those things where, um, the, the coastal, uh, the, you know, the Magdalai Spalota Spalota argument, you know, happens and, and it's kind of like, uh, no, I, I still think they're very much two different things. Uh, yeah. you yep. know, I mean, it's kind of not a, shouldn't, it shouldn't be an argument. It really shouldn't be an yeah. argument in my mind. And well, and I mean, again, regardless of what science labels them as we, we kind of know what what is distinct and what is unusual or different and it, to some extent you know as far as we can know and, and i think the more you look at photographs of wild specimens or you travel in australia yourself you can kind of see okay there is quite a bit of variability especially mm-hmm. with carpet pythons sure. and that's one of the things that makes them cool but you can still see fairly solid divisions you know and it blurs when the I, but i think that's and, the same way when yeah. you're talking about you know uh when you're talking about chondropythons too mm-hmm. like yes there's some variation there and maybe you shouldn't be so hard and fast but there's some very reliable visual cues to say yeah. this is a northern ranging animal this mm-hmm. is a southern ranging animal um, and same and, with Simpsons pythons. Yeah, you know? that's why I don't think they should go away. It, but, exactly, know. and yeah. that's and that's yeah. what I mean is like, like, like yes, I get it, and and you know sometimes when you can look at a genetic analysis and oh, there's very, there's very little difference here, but 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 that wasn't the measure they were using when they classified the species. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, so do you just now say like, well, because we have this newer technology, we throw everything, you know, it it basically means that we should invalidate all of taxonomy until we can redo it at a genetic level, which is kind of, you know, you you can't go back like that. You just, it doesn't, so so you you're left that with of the tool, you know. Yeah, you and so you're left with an imperfect thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And it's just kind of like you do the best you can. You understand that it's never perfect, 
and you just take the American who writes the book about your snakes and move on with your life. <laughs> well, regardless, uh, a discussion with Scott is always fun. And no, and, and Scott, he's, and, a, and he's, he's a very he, knowledge, knowledgeable fellow. He is a super yeah. knowledgeable guy. He's fun yeah. to talk to. And, well he, you know, he's he's pretty reasonable about stuff. I, you know, uh, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 you wouldn't, he who shall not be named would not have been reasonable in that conversation. Right. So (laughs) to be able to have a reasonable and, you know, lively talk with, with Scott was, was, uh, was awesome. So we, we do love you, Scott. (laughs) And then we, uh, had our, uh, scientific name discussion the week after that with, uh, El Smitterino. (laughs) And, and I don't think any Smitty tears were shed on that episode. That was a lot of fun. And no mountains were climbed. No, Smitty is a, he's a bright guy and he, he has a very good grasp on a lot of, a lot of different topics. So it was fun to have him back on and, and chat with him a bit on that. And, you know, I think it's an important issue to talk, you know, the, the, you got to learn the scientific names. I, here's a great example of yesterday. I was in the, the local pet shop and, and they had what they were calling mossy tree frogs. And I'm like, that doesn't look like the mossy tree frog. I know, you know, like the, the, uh, really cool, you know, bumpy green things. Yeah. And I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the scientific name and I can't think of it, but that's, you know, so I'm like, well, what's way to what, go. What's the scientific name of the one that you've got in the shop? Oh, I don't know. You know, so yeah, yeah. it was, it was kind of like, eh, you know, if you don't know, there's a lot of things that could be called mossy tree frog or something, but this, I was thinking Theloderma, the, you know, the Vietnamese mossy green frogs, Theloderma, Corticale or whatever, but that are just really cool looking. So these weren't, weren't quite so striking, a little different, but I don't know what they're, what they are. Cause I don't, you know, I wasn't given their scientific name and the, the well, obviously the it's, know it, it's so. yeah, I was going to say it <laughs> yeah. sounded like they weren't expecting anybody to come in and know what they <laughs> were in either. So, yeah. And, and for the most part, people don't really care about science, but, yeah. but I mean, scientific names help you convey, you know, what you're talking about because there's sure. ma- multiple common names for things. And, and I think Schmidt did a good job um, about, you know, making that distinction and, and, pointing out you know the importance of that and but you know with in the bird world common names work very well because mm-hmm. there is a more um set in stone you know common name for just about every species so it's really hard to uh not know what you're talking about unless you say a gull or a duck or you know you've got to know at least yeah. the the proper uh, common name for it but i think they they do a really good job of having a defined set set in stone common name. And, and I think there are some efforts in the reptile world to do that. And I, I frequently, especially when talking about Australian reptiles, refer to the A-Rod site. Um, the, uh, they, they, have, they do a good job of kind of having a set common name for, for all the reptiles. Um, yeah, I'm sure it gets difficult with the skinks and they probably <laughs> bow out of not having a common name for a lot of the skinks and mm-hmm. then just, just use the scientific name. But you know, when all else fails, using the scientific name will let you know specifically what there is. And for some things, like he was talking about tarantulas and spiders, there there is no they, common they, name. Yeah, they, they, they go, just they go, go exclusively. And, and a lot of times we'll even shorten the scientific name as a little nickname, like Aki, you know, comes yeah. from Varanus Acanthurus. 
And so we'll, we'll use that as kind of a, uh, uh, as the scientific name, but in a nicknamey manner, <laughs> you know, as a common yeah. name, but based off the scientific name. So I guess as long as the two people who are conversing know what the other one's talking about, then it's okay. You yeah. know, you can use common or scientific names, but it's good to know the scientific names, learn them, study them, memorize them. My daughter, it was really cute. My third mispronounce them. She, that's what I yeah, do. That's always fun too. That's what I but do. She, it's fun to hear what, you know, how other people pronounce them too. Cause yeah. You know, and, and I read them and I think I'm pronouncing them and then, Oh no, Scott will come in and say, no, it's Brett Ali. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to say Brett. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but then you might sound like a redneck American. Yeah. Bread like, a lie, you know? But anyway, my, my, my daughter uh, made a bunch of flashcards with, all the species that I keep in the reptile room and to learn their scientific names. So I thought that That's was pretty fun. Up, dude. She, she printed out a picture and wrote the scientific name on the back and then tried to memorize them. So it's pretty, pretty cute. That's so, pretty good, dude. What a good daughter. Yep. Then we had a great uh, episode on husbandry practices with the Mr. Frank Payne. Yeah. What a, what a cool guy. That yeah. was really good, great to have him on too. So yeah. Um, Frank is, he's another one of those shining examples of how to do it right. Select yep. some species that really some, you know, a lot of people don't really care about or know about and, and develop those and make them, you know, popular, popularize them, mm-hmm. <laughs> make them more popular. Yeah. And I, I mean, I would say, I would say that he, uh, you know, he, he kind of won his argument because that's what he's done. You know what I mean? I, I, I I certainly, you know, I think people need to start somewhere and I gave him the credit for, 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 for that, for sure as being Mm -hmm. a place to start from. But, you know, I think, you know, the, the pitfalls of, of, of the, the care sheet or, or having somebody tell you how it is, is, is you don't find out that, that's actually what's worked best for them. And, you know, I had, I had, uh, I saw, I saw Frank say something about that a 12, 12, 18 was too small for a pair of William Psy. And that's, that's what I breed my William Psy in and, and yeah. mine do great in there. And, and yeah. I, I understand, I, I, I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying Frank's wrong. I yeah. understand why he says that uh-huh. because it is kind of a small space for some very, very quick, uh, geckos, uh, and you got to clean it a little more often. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely some, some drawbacks, nuance. Yeah. yeah, Nuance to, to it, but you can absolutely do it in a 12, 12, 18. So, you know, I guess my thing would be somebody would hear that and they would say, Oh, no, you can't do that. So, because Frank said they can't, that you can't do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and I think that's kind of, you know, it's not wrong. It's just not necessarily the complete. And, you know, me being the guy I am, I think stuff like people are always like, Oh, that's too small of an enclosure. Like, well, maybe the animals like it better. Cause they feel safer. Like I always go to that. Maybe that's total bunk. I don't, you know, like, but I, it, it it has been successful for me 
Now, mm-hmm. can you keep animals in too small of an enclosure? Uh, absolutely, you can. Sure. I'm yeah. not saying that's not a thing, but I just, I, I definitely kind of feel like, you know, they're, they're, you, you know, the pitfalls of, of just listening to, you know, I mean, obviously, Frank's going to give you good advice because, yeah. because, you know, there, there's, there's not, not very many people who do it better than him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're not really going to go wrong there, but, you know, it, 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 it may not work out that the Frank Payne way of doing it works for you in your situation. And if you're so rigid in the idea that you can't step out of the four walls of that box, uh, then maybe you're missing an opportunity. And I think that mm-hmm. really was my only point. Uh, other than that, I would never argue against anything somebody like frank Payne says yeah well and and we just had uh philip leets on and and he was talking about how you know he's seen people be successful when they follow kind of his recipe or his you know care sheet if you will yep and so you know there there are some species that respond very well to that and have a specific set of parameters that you need to hit on and if you don't well and 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 i don't think that you know I don't think that's wrong at all. I think, yeah, you yeah. know, when you have a, a, a Phil Leitz or, or a Frank Payne who's gone in and been highly successful with a species, mm-hmm. they're articulate guys. They're smart guys. They know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, they've obviously had success. So, yeah, why wouldn't you listen to those guys as a starting point? And, you know, even even Phil was saying that, you know, he's had situations where he's been less successful than he wanted to be with certain things. Um, so, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, even when you do well, depending upon the the, species, you may not have the same success as you did with another species that's closely related or should be kept under the same kind of, uh, you know, of regime. So, you know, use guys like that, as a solid base, but always understand that you got to be the student of the serpent. You got to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. can continue pay attention to, to yeah. Sure it's working I mean, you. be, be articulate in, in the mm-hmm. observations that you make and the, and the decisions. Um, and, and, and always keep in mind, you know, like, um, you know, that foundation, but sometimes you gotta, you know, sometimes straying away from that is, is, is a basis for success yeah. in something yeah. else. Sometimes you, know? you can learn things by, yeah, going away from the plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah. but also you can e- just as easily f- or or more easily fail by mm-hmm. you know going a different direction. So yeah, you know it's it's hard to say. And you know I there's more than one way to skin a cat. You know there's more than one way to do things. And so we uh, yeah, your hairless cat is proof of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we need to make sure that we're not, uh, you know, overemphasizing, like sticking to the plan, even when, you know, it's clearly failing. Yeah. And yeah. I think like the, maybe the chondro world went through a, little, a bit of that, you know, 
having to have females be over a thousand grams before they even attempted breeding. That's a monster. Well, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But life support by spraying them, you know, all the time. Yeah, but, 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 yeah. but nobody knew. And you know what I mean? Like that, but nobody that, strayed from the plan. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. that's yeah. That, yeah. That's they fair. Just said, Oh, that's this fair. worked for him. So be, I'm going to do it. Exactly well, because right. that, that's, you know, somebody had, and I, had limped I'm animals, nobody, but they did. Right. People did. Well, but, but, but they limped these animals along. Yeah. and they got them to breed and oh by the way you know they were missing them all the time and that they, they were huge and so that you know incorrectly made the observation oh mm-hmm. this is how Dead they breed and, yeah, yeah, yeah i mean it's just really like hot. yeah and and you know there yeah you know, sometimes that leads to a false sense of okay we've we've cracked the code you know and yeah. so people stop asking questions and i think it's it's very healthy to have that uh, intellectually curious mind, you know, never stop asking questions. And I, I do, I do have to say though, mm-hmm. you know, having Within had, limits, right? ha- yeah. having had a number of green tree pythons in my collection over the years, mm-hmm. I'm really surprised it didn't occur to any of these pioneers that they just are like, hang out, do nothing pythons that may not necessarily need to eat all the time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. they, like, like they're pretty easy. To, you can ignore them and they do fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, sure. I don't, I, you know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I but then again, I wasn't there in the early days. I don't know how these snakes were coming in from mm. importers. Oh yeah. You know, the totally, totally different, totally yeah. different game. So, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I, I can't I can't believe they didn't see it, you know, now, but hey, I wasn't there back then. So, you know, yeah. I, I'm not talking. Oh, yeah, smack. yeah. We're I, not trying know, to pass know. judgment, but yeah, you know, for yeah. sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that leads us to the next thing. Breeding is a benchmark, you know, just because your animals breed. Does that mean you're succeeding or, you know, that's a you took the yes on one. you. Took I did. The yes I, on I, this that one. was a tricky one to. I mean, I, I. I don't think that you can say that, you know, uh, that breeding is not a benchmark for success. It definitely mm. is. I don't know if it's yeah. the ben- I don't know if it's sure. the benchmark. Sure. Um, and, and do we even have the tools to measure the benchmark? I mean, it would probably be very expensive to look at blood chemistry for your, you know, for your animals yeah. and try to figure out. Well, and I mean, I <laughs> think longevity is probably the benchmark, but, but again, you can put something on ice and keep it alive for, you know, decades and decades. They prove that with the monitor lizards, you know, like that's some fair. of those, some of those longevity records are just because they were kept, you know, at very low. I, I once, uh, I visited like a, a distant relative, like a, great aunt twice removed or something, you know, something like that, where it was like my dad's cousin's mom or something. Uh, anyway, it was, it, or dad's cousin's cousin's mom, you know, something. I'm not, just going to roll with it. Keep going. Anyway, yeah. So, um, I, they, they found out that I was interested in reptiles. Like, Oh, we have a turtle downstairs. And, and I'm like, Oh, where at? Oh, down in the basement. I go down. The basement. Like, oh, no. It's like, Oh my goodness. It's like, you know, a typical cold yep. <laughs> cement floor basement. And there's this box turtle down there. The it's, it's nails were like probably six inches long. You know, it couldn't even hardly walk on its feet because of long nails and, you know, just obviously neglected and, 
but they're like, yeah, we've had it for like 20 years. <laughs> I mean, it was, it had been around yeah. for a long time and uh, yeah, the poor fair, thing was, was getting along and living, but was it thriving? Was it happy? Yeah. Was it, you know, was doing the things that it should. And maybe it was, maybe it was just fine. Maybe it just had a little bit of long toenails, but I, you know, I didn't interact with it that much, but I'm like, oh man, you probably want to help that thing out. Give it well, a, if we, you know, if <laughs> we, if we, if we go, if we go back to your derpy jag argument, then it should be fine, right? <laughs> should be fine. Just falls off a perch every once in a while. Should be fine. <laughs> well, and I mean, it lived a long time. Uh, yeah. If so I, I would think breeding is probably more of a benchmark than longevity because yeah, with reptiles, if you just keep them cold they, but uh, they but at the same time i mean couldn't you overbreed <laughs> yeah. i mean couldn't you overbreed a reptile the into death sure oh yeah yeah definitely. so i mean you know it, yeah. if you don't it, support reproduction you can sure but but i think a lot of like some species are designed to do that chameleons i mean chameleons pump out hundreds of eggs over a couple year period and then they die you know i don't know that Saying, "Oh, I have a ten-year-old chameleon" that, is a is benchmark that how they, of success. I mean, is that is that their their wild behavior as well? Yeah, I mean, they oh, have yeah. Fairly they're like short the insects and... of the of the reptile world, and and they don't right. live more than a couple. Of, and there's a lot of a lot of the you know smaller uh, dragon lizards, the gamids in Australia. You know, the temp- tympanocryptus, a uh, um, couple of those species, like. They they only live a couple of years, you know, and they just crank out the offspring. And so if you have a project like that, you just say, OK, well, you know, I'm going to and, and and a lot of times those chameleon females, if they're not bred when they're young, like six, seven months mm-hmm. old, they die. They go yeah. egg bound, you know, so you, you want to give them the opportunity to breed. You want well, them to I, fulfill their, you know, nature, their, their call I, of so- the wild. So definitely the, the details matter. I mean, yeah. you have to take the reproductive into account, the reproductive strategy of the animal you're talking about. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and as long as, you know, you're talking apples to apples, um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely think that reproduction can be a benchmark for success. I mean, you know, I, I mean, and, and, and I, and I, uh, but I also think longevity can be a benchmark for success. You, but, but that has to be coupled with proper care. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I think, you know, if you can get away with both, that that's great. I mean, if you can, yeah, I mean, you can breed I, a female even for five years and she's still going strong, you know, more power to you. That's, sure. that's impressive. But, it, but I, I wouldn't say that if you bred your female and, and she bred and, and produced hundreds of eggs and then she died two years, I don't think you would consider that a failure necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, no. I could be talking out my butt. Maybe chameleons live five years, and maybe we should say ten years or something. You know, that kind of thing. But sure, you know, the, the nuances are there. But I think uh, if you can say, okay, I produced three hundred offspring from this female, and she lived for three years, that's pretty successful. She passed mm-hmm. on her genes. She did her genetically programmed, you know, thing, and what? and got her genes out there. And, you know, I always kind of wonder, like, like, so, so you, you, you think about like, and I, I like plants in this where you, where you see plants that, um, that 
plants either tend to put their energy one way or another, whether it's defensive, you know, alleliopathy, where mm-hmm. plants produce secondary metabolites, which actually resist bugs or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, you know, uh, oils, which give you rashes or blisters or things like that, or, or they, um, or they re, you know, they flower and reproduce very quickly, right? But they don't tend to do both. They put yeah. their egg in one basket or the other. Oh yeah. Um, and and and, well, and both you know, of those ways are genetic, you know, like uh, biologically costly. Maybe you can. Yeah, say, exactly, you know, exactly. You, you can't do both. You, you can't do both, right? Yeah, exactly, perhaps. exactly. And 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 you know, I think. You know, if you and it's probably hard to do, but, you know, if you if there was a way to kind of take an average uh, Mm -hmm. of what, you know, a snake or a lizard or a a chameleon or whatever would would a lay respectively in in the life of that animal. And you could take a a mean of of how many eggs it laid in its life um, and whether they lived a long time and spread that odor out over a long period, or it lived a short time and had a lot of eggs in that period, because, right. you know, the golden spoon, you know, talk about shine in the golden spoon, uh, theory, um, or the, the golden spoon hypothesis, you know, that that's kind of what that's talking about. And so, you know, both, both of those water pythons would be considered, successful if that if you know it lived a long time and had lots of clutches over that long period versus or uh, or had few clutches over a longer period versus lived a shorter lifespan but had tons of eggs in that short lifespan you know mm-hmm. both are you know and i guess you know to the point it's both benchmarks you know reading being a benchmark for success but yeah. you know how do you how do you parse that out yeah well, I, I guess that's kind of the summary, right? Is that it's not the only benchmark, but it yeah. is a, a reasonable benchmark in a lot uh, of cases. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and and that's, I mean, that's one hold, of the hold. strongest drives that animals have is to pass their genes on, you know, to find a yep. mate. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what gets male reptiles out on the move in, you know, in the spring or whatever. So they're all like Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. I don't know. All right. Well, if you if you breed a lot of stuff, sometimes that leads to our next topic: inbreeding. <laughs> um, we got a sweet flow through here. So, inbreeding is it a problem? And yeah, that was a was another tricky one. What are the what are the indications of inbreeding and when do you say, Oh, we've inbred it too much and stop. And, you know, I think a lot of, uh, consequences of morphs, if you want to call it that, uh, are, are, could hey, be, could, be did, could mask as inbreeding. I feel like we just argued this and you said there are no consequences of morphs. No, I said there were some, but were they enough to call all the animals? No, they're not. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go. I guess that's back to the topic. I was just, I was speaking more recently. You're just poking the bear. Yes. You? Yes. You, you yes. want the claws, don't you? I know. Oh, <laughs> calm down, Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, obviously there have been cases of inbreeding and inbreeding can inbreeding depression and yeah. can have some effects. And, and, and we see this, I, I, so there was a, an, an example of, um, a few of us had been breeding Cape York spotted pythons and we bred a bunch and, and I produced a bunch of them one year. And so I'm like, yeah, I've got too many. I'm going to send, so, uh, Nick arranged uh, to send some over to Paul 
in Europe. And so, and so after that year of producing all those, all of a sudden my Cape York stopped producing and I couldn't get them to lay good eggs after that point. And so I'm like, oh, come on. And you know, it might've been a change of focus and maybe I wasn't feeding them up enough and maybe I wasn't paying enough attention or something, but, or I had them in the wrong setup or they were too hot or something. Anyway, they, they didn't breed. And so I, and so we were kind of talking, Nick and I were kind of talking about that and we were speculating, oh, maybe it's some inbreeding depression. They're just not thriving because they're, they've been in, you know, inbred for a few generations or whatever. Um, well, the offspring that got sent over to Europe did fantastic and bred yeah. like wildfire, you know, and they produced a bunch of them over there. And so now it seems like they have more over there than we do over here. So, you know, the offspring of the ones that we thought maybe were had inbreeding depression did, did not really show that. So, yeah. you know, well, and, and what do you, other what, factors. And, and I mean, I, th I think we touched on this, but I mean, don't, don't animals that suffer from inbreeding depression pretty much take care of themselves in the long yeah, run? Right. I yeah. mean, so, you know, uh, you know, you can get some maybe more common mutations or, you know, or they just failure to thrive and that kind of weeds them out anyway. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and I mean, there's lots of examples of, of higher order animals, if you want to call them that mammals that, I mean, laboratory mice are, are highly inbred mm -hmm. over, over many, many generations. That's so, why they're there. Yeah. 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 And that, that concentrates their genes and kind of makes them more homogenous. Homogeneous, homogeneous, homogeneous. Yeah, that's good. Both, are, I think, both are correct. I think there. so. Yeah, yeah. You say tomato, but um. So we, yes, we, we, uh, we can use that as a tool, and that's why we yeah. inbreed rodents is to yeah. use that as a tool to study different aspects of their genetic in inbredness or <laughs> you know the issues that arise from that. Well, and I, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think I. I mean, obviously inbreeding, you know, probably not the best way to uh, encourage genetic diversity, but I, I, I definitely think that, and, and maybe you'll agree with me here that, that we, we definitely um, really, really put a negative connotation on inbreeding, probably, yeah. probably, probably worse than we should. Uh, mm -hmm. I think, I think a lot of this stuff, you know, I think a lot of stuff is inbred and we just do it all the time. We don't even realize we're doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, you can look at stuff that we bring in, you know, I mean, one could probably argue that jungles, U.S. jungles are heavily, yeah. heavily, heavily inbred. But sure. nobody will bat an eye at that because we called them, you know, oh, this is a Larry Black line and this is a, mm -hmm. a Lazic line and this is a – which all came from the same fucking place. You know what I mean? Yeah. So – Classic, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure there have been others that have kind of – Sure, sure, sure. Uh, kind yeah. of an influx, but yeah, for the most part, they're they're fairly highly inbred, and I mean, unless there's a negative, but but I, but I think, but okay, genetic combination that results in in a negative outcome. If if that's not present, then you can inbreed all you want. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. Inbreeding is bad when you have something deleterious going yeah, on. Exactly. Then you're perpetuating a deleterious gene, and because you're not outcrossing it, and you don't have anything else to do, all of a sudden it's in everything, which you could see moving forward. You know, especially because you're but by, by not by by inbreeding, you're magnifying. 
yeah. your and magnifying traits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it it, it so weeds itself out. It yeah. will definitely weed itself out. Yeah. So I, you right. know, like, I, I, you know, I, I, but, but at the same time, like, one of the things I really like about integrades is that 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 hybrid vigor that we talk about is is they do seem to do great, and yes, taxonomically they may be a little, uh, you know. <laughs> question not yeah not fun to, not not comfortable to talk about we can't yeah. can't uh can't you know they don't they don't pass the mutton test but <laughs> but they can look very cool and if you can get over the fact that they're a carpet python and 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 you know look look past subspecies um mm -hmm. you know nothing wrong with it yeah and i think you know island populations are a good example of of you know, species that do just just fine with you know mm -hmm. inbreeding to some some level of inbreeding because some of those places had to have had fairly small founder stock. You know, I mean, sure. I think the Burmese pythons in the Everglades are a great example of that they did a study on those and found them to be fairly closely related genetically that they all originated from the same mother or something you know like mm -hmm. a guy in the seventies released a female that was gravid and she had eggs and and some of those perpetuate, you know, kept, kept on keeping on. And, and now we have a, a fairly substantial problem down there, but you know, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and we you even know, made I, a TV show about that. I was looking on, on Hulu or, or some, one of those uh, streaming services and they had a, it had uh, a guy who plays Daryl on the office with uh, Craig, somebody. And yeah, anyway, uh, he, he's, it's like, he's hunting Burmese pythons in the, in i don't even know if it was florida somewhere but he like the the preview has him stapling a snake to his hand with like a nail gun or something i just nailed a snake to my hand <laughs> like how do you think i'm doing <laughs> i'm like pass <laughs> yeah, yeah i was gonna say you don't want to slaughter you don't want to spend show. your time on that yeah. quality programming <laughs> yeah i mean it looked there it looked like it could have had some potential to be funny but yeah and you I know i mean I, I i'm just a i'm just a fucking yahoo yank that doesn't know uh his genetics but maybe we do an episode and bring ben ben morell on and and let a real expert talk about genetics yeah and, we and, definitely and, i've i've invited him he he's actually agreed to come on he just was busy right now and needed yeah. to wait a, a few weeks until finals were over and things like right, that and right he's coming on we just need to get a topic worthy of him, you know, coming on. So Ding! <laughs> be good to, yeah, let's talk. Yeah. I feel like, him. yeah, I don't even know if that's even worthwhile, worthwhile topic for somebody like Ben. <laughs> no, it'll be fun. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll do good. We should yeah. debate. I, I love the, the debate that he um, brought to my attention of um, once you bring a snake out of oh, yeah. the wild, it ceases to belong to that evolutionary trajectory so technically it's not a member of the species you removed it from in the wild or something something yeah. kind of academic like that you know kind of fun to think about but um you know hard to accept in practice i guess yeah well <laughs> i mean and and oh yeah people, people love their, their names <laughs> yeah the, there's no i mean you can't you can't do it that to people they gotta to hear him do that like like the fact that you would have to like like that a lineage chart would really mean nothing. Well, I guess it wouldn't mean nothing. I guess it would mean everything. 
<laughs> yeah. mean it would just be yeah it's the the line you have is yeah yeah it's the new because you're you're selecting their mates and things it would like mean that. everything and it would mean nothing at the same time. <laughs> nothing. Oh my oh, god! It just blew my. That just blew my mind. <laughs> what the heck? All right, we got more. Yep, two more pathogen testing. Travis, Ooh, Wyman, we did not. We did not the, transition to Travis the, very the, well the, there. The doctor, Travis. <laughs> oh yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, that guy. He's he's the real deal, man. For he, sure. He definitely deserved that PhD and earned. Yes. It just like yeah and so uh nobody tears our buddy down like that and you know it was kind of that uh that fun little debate of whether or not you should uh, test your animals for pathogens and you know i was kind of on the negative side of the you know the don't test side of that argument and and to some extent you know i kind of stand by that a little bit but Mm -hmm. i think it helps to know what's going on in your colony you can assume it's one thing or another and that's the problem with pathogens is they a lot of them share the same symptoms Mm -hmm. symptomology and so diagnosing something based on what symptoms they have is really difficult to do you know yeah i don't know anybody who can necessarily tell a you know a certain virus from another virus or even like a bacterial respiratory infection from a viral respiratory infection you know that's very difficult it's difficult in people you know you go oh, to the yeah? doctor and they whatever go, that was covid <laughs> <laughs> that was COVID. You go, the, you go to the doctor and say, uh, well, you know, what do I have? And they give you antibiotics and say, get out yeah, of here. They don't, they like, don't know. Yeah. They, yeah. they very, very rarely. I and, mean, and they have unless tests, you get a, they could yeah, well, test for a few things, but not everything. And, you know, and, you know yeah. I think, I think now that we're getting more, uh, uh, resistant and, uh, you know, resistant yeah. bacteria is that you the doctors that are theory. now a little bit more, um, you know, motivated to test, to see, uh, if they're given the right kind of drugs uh, to treat it. But yeah, I totally agree that when I was a kid, man, they just threw antibiotics at you and yeah, kicked and you they, out the door. They'll do that in some yeah. some instances. but And, you know, a lot of times if you have a viral infection, you'll get a secondary bacterial infection. So maybe it's not the worst thing. And there, there, are, there aren't many antivirals approved. <laughs> and that's, yeah, you yeah. know, my struggle is like I identify some really good ones in, in, uh, cell culture or in animal models and show that they work really well, but no company's going to take them to market because it's just for a tropical disease that occurs in South and America and Africa or something. And doesn't which, impact the U S very much. And there's, a which is, stu- which is stupid, which is yeah. stupid. Cause if you have a it, global it, society, yeah, it, 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 yeah. No matter how much the nationalists want to say America first and we're the only ones that matter. No, well, I mean, global travel. Means yeah. That we can, uh, well, and I mean, right now we've got uh, birds flying through North America that have avian influenza. Right. And, you know, right. there's a risk of that, that establishing itself in the U S and having some avian influenza pandemic. How fun would that be? You know? So yeah, that, we're not ready for that. Nope. We need to work together, but, but, you know, testing your reptiles for pathogens, I think gives you at least the peace of mind to kind of have an answer. If you can, if you can identify it, you know, if the vet can identify it or, or the testing service can figure out what you've got, but, um, what to do after you identify it, you know, for a lot of these things, all we can do is isolate them 
yeah. especially for viral infections, but bacterial infections, there are some options and there's always, you know, they're developing new options for, you know, some of the newer class of antibiotics are coming out or, or better versions of previous classes. So, you know, work with your vet and take care of the sick animals as best you can. Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes I, that's easier said than done because there's not a good vet close by. and But there's a lot of vets that would do kind of a tele-session, uh, you know. Telephone, tele-friend. Over, over, over Zoom or whatever and, and kind of look at the animal over Zoom to some extent. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough. Um, you know, there's certainly some challenges around testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's certainly benefits around it. And I think, you know, the nice thing is we actually have some diagnostic tests that, that are out there that that we can call upon and, and, and they're available to people. So, you know, no matter whether you feel like, uh, everyone should test or nobody should test or whatever, the, the, the point is there is the capability to test if you feel like you need to. So, you know, no matter what side you're on, it doesn't prevent anybody from testing. Uh, and and um, certainly if you were worried about it, you have something that you could keep your collection, if nothing else, you know, keep you informed um, about a potential concern uh, that you had coming, you know, going on in your collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's finish this up. We, our last topic was anthropomorphism. That's a that was an interesting topic. I I was a little little uh, worried about how that one would go, but I think we had a decent discussion on that. And you know, obviously, it's kind of a little obnoxious when people take anthropomorphism to the level of you know my my beardy loves me or you know my 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 leopard gecko loves it when i scratch his belly look at him you know turn over and close his eyes or something and, yeah that can be a little little hard to take sometimes but i mean i i guess as long as you're caring for mac your and wookie mac and wookie boops the snoot dude get over it <laughs> Oh god, that gets me. I love that that term. You did a good job there, Chuck. Dude, <laughs> Mac and Wookie. Uh, I was trying to remember it the other day. I'm like, what was that he said? You know, I was like, wait, uh, oh, just wait. Owen Foot? No, Matt. No, it's it's Mac and Wookie. <laughs> Mac yeah. and Wookie. Owen. Owen Owensis? No. Owensis. Yeah, something like that. Is it like Mac that and Wookie Owensis? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the scientific name of the Mac and Wookie. Uh yeah. We gotta we gotta do some shirts or something. Oh dude. <laughs> the we, Mac yeah. and Wookie believes in you. <laughs> All Come right. But, yeah, that. I mean, I don't know what else I have to say about anthropomorphism. I I get a little impatient or frustrated with that. It's kind of Kind of I mean, here, it, but it, I'll, you know. I'll just, I'll just wrap anthropomorphism up for you here. Do it. We're humans. We're going to anthropomorphize shit. That's what we do because we're humans. Like, so, you know, being like, like, of course you're going to look at something from a human centric point of view because you're a human and that's the only point of view you have, right? You can, you can try to put yourself in another animal's 
you know, shoes. Uh, you can guess what's going on with them. You can take cues and, and make your best determinations about things. But, but really, you're always, you know, you're always going to do your best to figure out what that animal is doing from your point of view. So, sure. you know, yeah. I, I don't, I, 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 are there potential pitfalls of anthropomorphizing things? Sure. I guess so. But there's also, you know, the idea that life is built upon the, uh, you know, the same building blocks. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's an unbroken chain of evolution. Uh, so, Maybe some forms of anthropomorphism have some, you know, validity to them. And, and, oh, by the way, if, if, if you're just, you know, you, you're just not hearing that, you know, then do your best to think like your snake and move on with your life. Yeah. I, I think the, the damaging aspect of anthropomorphism is when you are saying uh, your snake doesn't like that if you don't keep your snake in a 40 foot by 20 foot enclosure, you know, your corn snake, you're, he's, he's unhappy, he's miserable and you are torturing that poor thing. You know, <laughs> like when, sure. you, when you're trying to use an anthropomorphism and try to pass it off as, uh, as what the snake is thinking, you know, I, I yeah. think you, you can get into trouble that way. So yeah, and you need I to mean, be careful I, to interpret how our animals are, are, are thinking, you know, because who knows if they even are thinking, you know, it's really hard to, 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 con you know, to make, make an argument against or for consciousness of, you know, animals and that kind of thing. But, you know, there's some evidences for and against it, but, uh, you know, I think, Try your best, like you said, to give your animal, meet its needs, you know, give it food, warmth, you know, whatever. I mean, and interact I, with it too. Yeah, There's nothing I, wrong with that. I, yeah. I just, I mean, obviously, obviously, I, I, when I say that, you know, you're a human, so you're going to come from it from a human point of view, I don't mean, I don't mean so literally what you would think is what yeah. the animal would do. You absolutely have to be able to think what is best for this reptile, uh, knowing that you're According a human. According to my right? estimation. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it's obviously harsh. you can take anthropomorphism, as Justin just said, to the point of like, yes, absolutely you're being a fucking idiot right now. <laughs> but you know, hopefully you're, you're, you're doing your best through your human lens to think about and, 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 and learn about what has been scientifically observed to be, um, you know, the way your, uh, the natural history of your reptile, um, uh, works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So that's it. Um, that does it. We are Woo! done with clip show number three, the return of the clip show. Oh, the second return of the clip show. I, I still didn't come up with a good one for that one. Yeah. You just, it's really hard to beat electric boogaloo, but <laughs> yeah, that was so good. I was, uh, yeah, I don't know. We that one stuck with the... me from the eighties. So <laughs> that, 
Clip Show 3, The Revenge of the Clip Show. Gleaming uh, the Clip Show, you know? Gleaming the Clip Show. Remember that? Remember that? Oh, movie? Yeah. That oh, was yeah. cool, dude. If yeah. you were into skateboarding back then, that was uh, like, go Christian Slater. <laughs> yeah, man. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> but we... Uh, Hopefully, you know, you got something out of this. It, it's fun to, you know, re recount some of the discussions or, or some of the new things that have kind of dawned on us since we had those. And obviously there's, there's opportunity for other aspects of any of the topics that we've already covered um, to delve into deeper or to go off on a tangent. So, you know, if anything strikes you when you're listening to this, let us know. We, we can have you on and debate it with you, or you can just tell us, Hey, talk about this and we'll, we'll give our best to, uh, you know, fight that topic well. So, um, we do appreciate the, the input and hopefully we can get some more fun guests on and we'll get, new new ones as well as some old ones that, that have been on it's fun to have them revisit and get back on so um thanks to everybody who has come on the show i mean this these last uh the ones that we talked about today um you know more than half of those had guests so that was a lot of fun and yeah. and we want to keep that going so if you got any ideas let us know we'll get you on and have a have a good uh, good fight so we have fun with our guests that's for yeah. sure i could say yeah. i've i've thoroughly enjoyed every guest that we've had on we always have a good time so yeah yeah it's been a lot of fun so anyway thanks for listening check out moreliapythonsradio.com and uh the pod father will grant you seven wishes so uh <laughs> I, I guess I can't speak for the podfather, but yeah, you really threw some shit on his <laughs> back right there. <laughs> well, you know him. He'll, he'll grant wishes. Oh, He's a good yeah. dude. He's, good He's dude. a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Our, uh, we, we appreciate our listener and we hope to catch you next week for another episode of reptile fight club. His name was Robert Paulson. Fight club. 